like me, the more you will learn. Welcome to Hard as a Rock Podcast. Well, hello, Mr. Fan. Welcome to the Hard as a Rock Podcast. In each episode, I will share with you the story of men and women that make the rest of us look like the sad sack of guts that we are. The good, the bad, and the ugly. If they make our existence pathetic by comparison, then they are Hard of a Rock. Hello and welcome everyone to the first episode of Hard as a Rock uh, today's episode, we're going to be uh, telling you a remarkable story of a figure from history, a gentleman who comes from Nepal. Now, Nepal is a quiet little country in South Asia. Even today, it has only a few paved roads and is probably most famous for being the home of Mount Everest or the subject matter of that famous Bob Seger tune, Kathmandu. Other than that, though, there isn't much to say about Nepal. It sits jammed and almost forgotten between China and India, and in this little slice of mountainous terrain is, well... A predominantly Hindu people. It is also home to the legendary warriors, the Gurkhas. And the Gurkha soldiers developed a reputation for being fierce, fighting the British in the Anglo-Nepalese War. Now the Brits severely underestimated the resolve of Nepalese, and initially they received a sound spanking attempting to conquer the area in the 1800s. Eventually, though, after submitting a bunch more blood and treasure, the Brits managed to wrest some control of Nepal and the Gurkhas finally submitted to the British Empire. But the Brits were so impressed by the Gurkhas that they raised several infantry battalions with them after the war. It was from this geography and pedigree that in September of 1921, in a small village on the side of a hill, one of the hardest men to ever live was spawned forth into the world. Now the man's name was Banyu Bakta Gurung, and yes, I am certain that is not how you pronounce it. I'm guessing this is why there's no major motion picture made about him. But like so many badass historical figures, not much is written or available as to how these men went from newborn babe to a man as tough as hobo crap. But however it happened, Banyu Bakta was born in 1921 and apparently spent his formative years being trained from birth to kick ass at a top secret ninja school. Okay, that last part's probably not true, but who knows. At any rate, Banyu Bakta joined the British Indian Army in 1939 at the age of 18 and he joined the 3rd Battalion, 2nd King Edward VII's own Gurkha Rifles, or as they were more commonly known, the Sumor Rifles. Again, probably not pronouncing that correctly. Now, the Brits by this time were ankle-deep of World War II, and were using the Gurkhas against their enemies. And in World War II, the enemy of the Gurkhas was the Japanese, and Banyu Bakta found himself smack-dab in the middle of the Burma Campaign. Now, the Burma Campaign is notable for the hellish weather, the disease, and all-around belt-fed cock that would crack the will of almost any man alive today. And this happened to be perfect fighting conditions for men as hard as the Gurkhas. In February of 1945, the 25th Indian Division landed at Ruvua, again, sorry about the pronunciation, as a diversion from an offensive towards Mandalay. Diversion, as a side note, is often the way officers in the military describe a suicide mission. Banyu Bakta's division advanced through the past, held by the Japanese from a number of hills. And the Gurkhas, they only held two of these hills, codenamed Snowden and Snowden East. Snowden East was held by Banyu Bakta and his platoon, but they were attacked by the Japanese and pushed back. What happened is the Japanese attacked the hill at night with overwhelming forces and killed half the Gurkhas. 
The remainder, having expended all their ammunition, had little choice but to literally hack, slash, and cut their way out, all the way back to their comrades at Snowden Hill. Banu Bakta woke the next morning with the rest of his B company to hear the orders come down to retake the hills the following day, regardless of the cost. Now, this was an order that was no doubt easier to give than to actually accomplish. On 5th March 1945, Banu Bakta and his squad were approaching Snowden East in an effort to retake the hill. Now, one can imagine the morale of the men who only the night before had narrowly escaped death when they had been overwhelmed on that hill. You can almost hear them saying through the sands of time, are you friggin' kidding me? En route, Banya Bakta and his company took fire from very heavy light machine gun fire and a concealed sniper in a tree some 75 yards to the south. Breathing air filled with lead, B Company found itself hopelessly pinned down and taking casualties at the hand of their hidden assailant. If you're pinned down by sniper fire, this usually means that you are convinced that if you poke your head out, you're probably going to lose it. Now a sane man, a normal man, would then sit there clutching his rifle waiting for someone, anyone, to come up with a plan. Perhaps a flanking maneuver, some artillery, even air support, or just some other way in which one can keep his head firmly attached to his shoulders. Lesser men would take this time to make deals with God. Most people typically wouldn't consider it a good idea to stand up in the face of sniper fire, take aim, and fire at the sniper. But apparently someone as hardcore as Banya Bakta would, and did. As recounted in a citation he received for the act, Quote, Rifleman Banyu Bakta Gurung stood up and while fully exposed to heavy fire, calmly killed the enemy sniper with his rifle, thus saving his section from suffering further casualties, end quote. That's right. Banyu Bakta calmly stood up, bullets whizzing by his head, and proceeded to take careful aim, draw the trigger, and shoot the sniper out of a tree some 75 yards away. I like to think that the sniper for a moment was scanning the emplacements where Banya Bakta and his men were taking cover, chuckling to himself about how badass he was. Then out of the corner of his eye, he'd see this figure rise from cover. I imagine there would be a moment of abject horror when the sniper started to think to himself, what in the hell? And just as he finished that thought, it would leave his head along with the rest of his gray matter. Now this on its own would make Banya Bakta tough as nails in the minds of his comrades. But Banya Bakta didn't stop there. This is only the pretext for the act that won Banyu Bakta the Victoria Cross. Now on paper, the Victoria Cross is listed as the highest and most prestigious award for gallantry in the face of the enemy that can be awarded by the British forces. It would be fair to say, though, that this medal is given to those who are able to dish out more hell and destruction on the enemy than some sort of Batman-Chuck Norris-Honey Badger hybrid. After casually dispatching the sniper, Banyu Bakta then charged like a wild man up the hill yelling for his comrades, to follow him. And they did, despite heavy casualties, and they made it within 20 yards of their objective. But again, the Gurkhas were stalled by exceptionally heavy gunfire. Seeing this, Banyubakta took it upon himself, without orders, to win the battle all by himself. He charged forward and attacked the first enemy foxhole that was raining death down on his men, chucked a couple of grenades, and killed the two occupants. Then, as if to challenge himself, he opted not to use grenades on the next foxhole he came across, but instead killed the two light machine gunners with his bayonet. The rest is best described in the following news article from the UK newspaper The Telegraph, dated 4th March 2008 from Banya Bakta's obituary. Quote, All this time he was under continuous light machine gun fire from a bunker on the north tip of the objective, and two further foxholes were still bringing fire to bear upon the section. 
Van Eubachta dashed forward and cleared these trenches with bayonets and grenades. He then turned his attention to the machine gun bunker and realizing, as the citation put it, that it, quote, would hold up not only his own platoon, which was not behind him, but also another platoon which was advancing from the west, end quote. He pushed forward a fifth time to knock out the position, quote, he ran forward and leapt onto the roof of the bunker from where his hand grenades being finished flung two number 72 smoke grenades into the bunker slit, end quote. Two Japanese rushed out of the bunker, partially blinded by the smoke and with their clothes aflame with phosphorus. Banyu Bakta promptly killed them both with his kukri. One Japanese soldier remained inside, holding up four platoons advance with the machine gun. Banyu Bakta crawled in and, prevented by the cramped space from using his bayonet or kukri, beat the gunner's brains out with a rock, end quote. Yeah, you heard me right. He bashed the guy's brains out with a rock. Seriously, he used a rock. Think about that for a second. From the Telegraph, quote, Gerung then ordered three of his comrades to take up positions in the bunker and, quote, the enemy counterattack followed soon after. But under rifleman Banyubakta Gerung's command, the small party inside the bunker repelled it with heavy loss to the enemy, end quote. Banyubakta's Victoria Cross citation concluded with, Rifleman Banyubakta Garung showed outstanding bravery and a complete disregard for his own safety. His courageous clearing of five enemy positions single-handed was in itself decisive in capturing the objective, and his inspiring example to the rest of the company contributed to the speedy consolidation of this success. For his actions, Banyubakta received the Victoria Cross from King George VI at Buckingham Palace. He spent the rest of his years in a kind of retirement. After the war, Banyubakta opted out of further military service and chose instead to return home to care for his frail widowed mother, his young wife, and his children. He finally passed away on the 1st of March, 2008. Oh, did I mention he had asthma? Well, that's it for our inaugural show. If you'd like to hear some more stories, please find our Facebook page. Uh, we're Hard as a Rock podcast there on Facebook. And you can check out the show site at hardasarock.net. That address, again, is hardasarock.net, all one word, obviously. And please, uh, make a donation. Uh, you see, the thing is, is, is my wife is mad at me. And she always gets mad when I work on these little projects, and especially when I do it during the latest episode of Project Runway. So it's the couch for me again. And the only thing that will sort of justify what I'm doing for you is a little bit of scratch so we can buy some nice things for her and the kids. So please help us put food on our table and uh, make a donation on our website, hardasarock.net. I plan on doing these monthly, so stay tuned for the next episode where we will tell the tale of yet another human that makes the rest of us look, well, pathetic. This is Hard as a Rock Podcast. You're listening to Free Music by Dano. Download free MP3s at danosongs.com.